Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 23, Jim West, Desperado. Big Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. Sam, Eddie, how's it going? How are we feeling? Not bad. Fine. <laughs> the enthusiasm, <laughs> the enthusiasm, just incredible there for both uh, of us. Uh, just uh, Cheltenham has been great, but I'm just so done with lockdown. Like I'm really, <laughs> I'm really just. Like, it, it's just so boring now. See, it's I, never I, exciting. I hate to be an asshole, but I kind of have like the opposite feeling right now. So we're, I wouldn't say completely open back up here, but a lot of things are open and it's really nice out. The weather's like 75 degrees, sunny, perfect time to go out on the patio, have a few beers. And these past three days, I've been so tired from waking up at six in the morning to sit and watch Cheltenham festival races that around like six, 7 PM, I'm just sitting there barely able to eat. I'm just so exhausted. So I kind of want Cheltenham to end because it's not going so well for me. So it's not even as if I'm benefiting financially, uh, but it has been fun to watch the races. And it's, it, I think the fun part at least is like, at least we get to zoom and hang out with each other a little bit while we're watching them. So that's kind of cool. Um, it, it's nowhere near the Royal Ascot in-person experience, but it's better than me sitting in my bed, watching it with the dog laying on top of me. So <laughs> the second, part Eddie, I wanted to ask optional. you, Eddie, well, it's not really optional because if I put him in his cage, he just makes noise in his cage because he knows it wakes me up and then I have to take him out of his cage. Smart dog. Yeah. But Eddie, I want to ask you, how does it feel to tip our friend Ali a 16 to one winner, but also not back that winner? Um, I mean, it felt honestly, I do get pleasure from giving someone a tip and having it win because obviously it doesn't feel great when you give someone a tip and they lose it then loses. Um, because even if someone's got had winning tips from you before, they always still have that reaction of feeling as if you've, you've wasted their money. So not as enjoyable as me winning money myself, but I was still pleased to see it win. Oh, wait, did Ollie win much from it? Oh, I think he put five pounds on it. 500 on it. Nice. Eddie was five pounds at, I think he got it at 15 to one, five pounds at 15 to one is still nice little win off a five pound bet. What was the better satisfaction watching him win that after you tipped it or having me be 30 seconds behind on the feed and having the horse that just missed <laughs> nipping him at the line for a second and having to watch my reaction as, as I imploded behind I the screen. Did, no, I didn't. That actually, I, it almost didn't register that that was one of the horses you'd bet on to be perfectly honest. Cause my focus really was on sky pirate. So there was no, <laughs> there was no satisfaction out of watching you lose. We have, I know people who get satisfaction from watching other people lose bets. I've never been one of them. I'd rather people win. I mean, we famously- Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the satisfaction of, of having me actually lose, but watching me like kind of break down because you already know the result and being able to watch me watch it could be pretty humorous. <laughs> are they gamblers yeah. as well? The people that like seeing you lose money? Are they they're gamblers. I, I wasn't saying specifically like seeing me lose money. No, but, but anyone. Think, like I I think that's 
I Nasty. I have one person in mind. I won't name them just in case they do listen to this. But there were two examples that spring to mind, which was once we had a friend of ours who'd put this accumulator on in the Champions League and everything was in except he had Chelsea to win and they were one all away to some Eastern European team. This was the group stages. They got a penalty in around the 90th minute and he obviously celebrated, like happy that they got the penalty. Uh, he, they then missed the penalty and we were in a bar and he dropped to his knees in pain. I mean, it was a very <laughs> sort of visceral reaction to the disappointment. And the guy, the guy rang, there was a bell in the bar and he rang the bell in celebration of the penalty being missed. <laughs> then, then subsequently with the same group of people, we went to a horse race here in Paris and um, this guy who had the bet on the... I think I know who this is now. Yeah, the Champions, <laughs> the Champions League accumulator. He was the only one of us who kind of did well on the day. And he won the last two races and was, I think he'd, he'd only come, you know, he'd kind of viewed it as a fun day out. So I think he'd only come with about 50 euros and he was up to around 500. So that's, you know, like a good day of betting, final race. And he was like, what should I do? And we were jokingly like, well, you've, you only came with 50 euros, right? So you may as well go all in on the next one. And if you leave, if you lose, then you just leave down 50. Oh, God. And, and he was What's like, the last race at the Arc? This wasn't the Arc. This was a random oh. day at lunch. Oh. It was just like oh. a, a, a social day out going to the races. And so he rolled the whole 500 over onto this horse, which was like uh, maybe three to one favorite, something like that. It was not some banker. And uh, coming down the home straight, we none of us had, no one else had bet on this race. It was just him, and we were just staying to watch it for his sake. Coming down the home straight, we were all cheering for this horse. There were maybe five of us, and then the other guy was openly cheering for every other horse. <laughs> and it got it was overtaken in the final strides, and you would have thought this guy had won twenty thousand on the on, on the horse that pipped it. And instead, and the, in fairness, our mutual friend took it so well. He was just like, oh, oh, well, I lost him cheering for the other horse didn't impact my horse's performance. So I don't care. I lost the money. It was, I'm only 50 euros down. No biggie. Nah. Nah, I would have shanked him. What an idiot him. that guy is, Eddie, <laughs> for thinking that, that that cheering didn't impact the result. What an idiot. <laughs> Everyone knows that was the impact that caused that final stride loss. Exactly. If only I'd been at home to help him, I could have brushed my teeth and, uh, and then it would have definitely held on. You could have looked like the really weird guy at the course brushing your teeth just at the side as the cameras yeah. catch you on TV. <laughs> Should say, actually, my tooth brushing has not only entertained listeners on this podcast, but it is now being taught across... Well, not across, but it's being taught at uh, institutions of higher learning in the United States. One of our listeners, who will no doubt be enjoying the fact that I'm mentioning this, is a professor at a rather large university in the United States. And in teaching a class on witchcraft, decided to bring up my superstitions and discuss whether or not I myself am potentially a witch. So I'd just like to say that my cult has grown faster than I could have expected it because we're months ahead of schedule now that I'm already being taught at university. Wouldn't you be a wizard? Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> don't assume my gender, please. 
<laughs> an agendered witch wizard. Eddie, I just got an email from you that said in the parentheses it had he and his in there. You gave me your pronouns to go off of. Oh, yeah. No, it's he, his, witch. Those are my pronouns. <laughs> I'm still so trying I actually... to work out the toothbrush thing. I'm still trying to work out the toothbrush thing and how, if that is witchcraft, are you directing it at a specific thing? Because isn't there yeah, the thing with magic where usually there's an unintended consequence to what you do? So isn't there someone else that's losing two, two, because two of things. what you're doing? Two things, Sam. Yes, I am directing it at a, at a specific thing. That's the power. It's not just that it randomly impacts events around the world. Two, there aren't unintended consequences. Your understanding of magic. You said, isn't that the thing with magic usually that there are under, under, unex, uh, unintended consequences? You're talking about novels that you read and movies that you watch. You're not talking about real life magic here. Just because you read Harry Potter as a child, now you think that magic is scary and dangerous. I'm telling you that my toothbrush has magical powers and I'm in fully in control of how it impacts the world. But you're just selfish with it. Because there's someone else that has the bet on the other way that is losing as a direct result of what you do. So you're very yes. selfish with your magic. Well, that's why I created a podcast where I tell people what I think about sports. Everyone can listen. They can know how they, they can know which way the toothbrush is leaning and they can avoid any disappointment. <laughs> which way the toothbrush is leaning. <laughs> leaning or, or brushing. Uh, brushing i suppose but it always brushes in the same direction but sometimes it's tip is just focusing in on a specific area of the world too weird it's too weird move on frank you had something to say <laughs> yeah so it's been pretty apparent for people who listen that i'm a fan of lists and clickbait so i came across a list of 30 famous people you didn't know were athletes. So I am going to go through a few of these famous people and you tell me what sport you think they played. I'll start off with an easier one. This should be very easy. Actually, I'm just gonna let Sam do it because I'm sure Eddie knows the answer. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Sam, what sport did The Rock play? Not WWE. Do not. I mean, say there's kind of it. there's kind of there's kind of two answers to this question. What sport I just did he said, play in college? I think is the. There you go. Um, no idea. I'd probably go with something like field, some field event. But... <laughs> like they play in a field. Did you think he was an 800 meter runner? Just bulked up when he retired. No, I was thinking saying. Like, Are you shot saying track and like field? That. Is yeah, that what like, you're saying? Okay, yeah, like a field. some field event. Yeah, like sometimes he got lost. Something like that. I, I yeah, have no a, idea what he, he was. An American football player. He went to the University of Miami. Yep. Oh, yeah, and then he, he was pretty he, good too. He even, I think, he played in like the CFL for, or like got a tryout in the CFL or a contract in the CFL. Is that why he bought out XFL or whatever it's called now? Because of his love for the game? I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Okay, I'll give you another slightly easy one. If you're a fan of The Office. Steve Carell. Uh, ice hockey. Yes, he's a Division II ice hockey player. Very nice. All right, let's step it up a little bit. How about good old Dr. Phil? This one I don't know. So now I'm going to have to guess what I think Dr. F I'll go baseball for Dr. Phil. Seems like a baseball guy. 
Sam? Yeah, sure. Baseball. <laughs> he went <laughs> to the no University idea. of Tulsa to play middle linebacker at six foot four. I guess it makes sense. I should have. He is Southern, so it did make sense to, to think football. But what about good old JFK pre assassination? <laughs> what is he? What is he? What's he known for? Is there like one like ten down on your list that's post assassination JFK? Like dominates Quidditch now. Um, JFK. I mean, I runner. It was yeah. at Harvard. I'll say book throwing. <laughs> I don't know what that helps with. No, I'm baseball. just saying that's where he went to school. Varsity yeah, swimming. I don't know baseball. Oh, that makes sense. Doesn't and then he? Supr- then he? Well, then he ditched in the ocean, didn't he? In World War II, so. I guess he he prepared himself. Uh, let's go to another. I think present. that's true. I think he, that wasn't he wasn't he shot down in World War II. Oh, I thought you said I thought you were saying like he like jumped off the boat and ran away. Like no, <laughs> no, no. no. I, he was a, he was a pilot, and I'm pretty sure he was shot down over the ocean or had an issue with his aircraft over the ocean and was had to ditch in the ocean. I'm pretty I'm pretty certain of that, but this might be me con- combining multiple stories, but. All right, got a good one here. Let's stick with the presidential theme. Ronald Reagan. I'll give you a hint. He went to Eureka College. Not much of a hint. I love that's how a that's, hint. A hint. that's a hint for me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's not a hint. <laughs> I mean, pretty small guy, Ronald Reagan. At least he seems like he was a pretty small guy. So I'm just going to keep saying baseball because sooner or later it's going to be right. Javelin. <laughs> Ronald Reagan hey, upgraded was a, just field event. Yeah, field. Ronald Reagan was a college cheerleader. Oh. Back in like I the mean, megaphone days no. with the sweaters. That's not a that's, sport. But that's, that's not a scholarships for it. You get scholarships for it. Yeah, but does a scholarship yeah. make it a sport? You get scholarships for chess. It's not a sport either. Is darts a sport? Um, darts to me is right on the line when I debate, is it a sport? Is it not a sport? I don't personally really consider it a sport, but I can guess, I can get that. I don't have a clear, like, it's not like if, if you meet this requirement, you therefore are a sport. Cause I, it's super inconsistent for me. Darts, like kind of the threshold, but here's the thing is darts. At least you win. I know that you can have a cheerleading competition and someone judges you and then you can win based on that. But that to me is a lot sort of you could you could start doing that with anything i could start being like oh look at the technique i have when i sit down and i could have someone come and sit and watch me and give me a 9.5 and be like well it's a new sport and i'm not trying to be dismissive of cheerleading incredible athletic ability to be good at cheerleading just don't see it as a no, sport no one no one cares about cheerleading outside of the u.s i, ju- I just want to throw that out there <laughs> oh you know that's the saddest thing the people who i did know who started cheerleading in the UK, that's a sad group of people. That's people who are like obsessed with American culture and have like seen cheerleading as the way in. And then yeah. even when they're cheerleading at like 30 years old, they're kind of imagining themselves as like a character from a like US high school show. Oh, what like Mean Girls or something like that. Yeah. 
but so I think that's that's always the saddest part. I know several people who've got into that. Very pathetic. If you're listening and you know, and it's you, it's but still pathetic. That sounded like a little Donald Trump thing there. You got into it, pathetic. <laughs> Sad. All right, I'll I'll give you guys a little taste of um, across the pond. Jason Statham. He was a a, a, a diver. Very good. Competed for Great Britain in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. All right, let's stick with it. Hugh Laurie. House. Oh, guy. Polo. Nope. Rugby? Nope. Studied at Cambridge where he became a rower. Oh, Uh, I knew that. (laughs) He competed in the Junior World Rowing Championships. Okay, we'll stick with UK. Stephen Hawking. Skateboarding. <laughs> Robot Wars. <laughs> Never saw the movie, huh? No, didn't see the movie. <laughs> I actually it saw a... it. I just can't remember it. I can't remember what his sport he was good at. Oh, did. A member of the Oxford rowing team. He could sit down, I guess. Well, yes, because you know what his job was, Eddie? <laughs> Oh, he was the Cox. He was the Cox. Yep. <laughs> okay. He could have. Why did he give up? He could have still done that. I, maybe. He did. Well, they. How do you know? They could have just. They could have just like built him into the boat. <laughs> yeah, he could have had a perfect stroke count too, because he was just programmed in at certain speeds. You would like Steven switch to thirty-six strokes a minute, and he would have been like stroke, stroke, stroke. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, stroke, please. Uh, I'm actually also impressed with the fact that I knew what that spot was on the rowing team. And the only reason I, mean, I know is because you've told oh, me. But it's also because like some of them are categorized by not having it, like Cox fours, Coxless fours. Like, so that means absolutely nothing to me, well, Sam. Think, think about it. If the guy at the front of the boat is the Cox, if it's Coxless, it means that there's no Cox on it. So if it's Cox four, does that mean it's a four-man rowing team? Because there's four Cox rowing? <laughs> no, a coxless, <laughs> a coxless four would be four men rowing without a cox, and then I mean four, and then you can have uh, they the number of men does not include the cox. That we've now overset that word, so it's um, we can go coxswain. Is that better? We'll go by its full term. There you go. Yeah, Eddie taught me about the coxswain and feathering the cock in the same night. No, I did not. Oh, teach wow. You about did he? <laughs> Was that an intentional error? <laughs> did he? <now>? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Feathering the blade is what, I, what we talked about. I <laughs> actually think, I, I will say that rowing is probably one of my favorite sports at the Olympics to watch. Yeah. Because as, as a Brit as well, um, there's usually a lot of competition in it. Um, it. Rowing is one of my favorite to watch, though. All right. I'll give you. Two more, and you've already named the sport incorrectly for each of these. First one up, Billy Crystal. Baseball. Sam? Javelin. <laughs> Billy Crystal was a baseball player at Marshall University. And the last one, Garth Brooks went to Oklahoma State University on an athletic scholarship to play what sport? baseball no sam sam 
I don't know. Come on, say it, Sam. Gets a sport. American football. Oh. No, god damn it, Sam. It's javelin. He said three <laughs> times. Why didn't you say it? <laughs> I set you up so damn good. <laughs> I'm disappointed because you teased the name Joe McHale. And so I expected him to come up. And that's another one that I knew that he'd gone to, football, to play American football. I actually think he won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, University of Washington, uh, six foot four, tight end. I don't think he played in the game, but I think he has a Rose Bowl wing, uh, ring. It always it always interests me, like what Americans use as kind of like the way to introduce people. So, like you say, out of this university, this high. Like I, I can't imagine that in the UK being like, here's Wayne Rooney, Keel University, <laughs> six foot. <laughs> like it, it's not as glamorous as kind of how Americans are introduced. Well, I just I, I just gave his height because I said he was playing tight end. I didn't actually think he was that tall. No, that's like, how he introduces tall himself. For an actor. He goes, hey, I'm nice to meet you. I'm Joe McHale, 6'4". Tight end. What is, yeah. is, that, is that part of your surname? And I used to play football. played guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sam gets to introduce himself as I'm Samuel Jones. Five foot, what are you, nine? Four. No, I'm like 5'7". Five, 5'7", seven. <laughs> five, seven. Samuel Jones, 5'7". Loose end, never played rugby. <laughs> oh, good one. Uh, so tiring. <laughs> You'd miss it if I didn't do it. So you could at least give him one back. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. It's <laughs> not, <my> st- <laughs> not my style. Eddie will stay as a tight end. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, I guess that could tra- help us transition, right, from joking about homophobia to uh, someone who's facing rather serious sexual assault charges. We've discussed the position of uh, Deshaun Watson over the, I just had a moment moment where his name totally escaped me for a second there, but obviously he's been in some sort of trade drama over the last two months, I guess it's been since he and, sort of announced that he didn't want to come back to the Texans. That's now been complicated by a far more serious matter, which isn't the where he will be playing next year, but fundamentally if he will be playing next year, as now there are mounting sexual assault allegations. Yeah, so there's currently three different people have come forward, but supposedly there's nine total people. Uh, They're all massage therapists, and the basic gist of the story is... Deshaun Watson goes in for a massage and demands a little more than just a massage and openly threatens them with consequences if they don't do what he wants them to do at the end of said massage. (laughs) Now, he came out very early when, when everything was released after the first person made something and he put out a pretty like straightforward post that says, as a result of social media protests by a publicity seeking plaintiff's lawyer, I recently became aware of a lawsuit that has apparently been filed against me. I have not yet seen the complaint, but I know this. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. The plaintiff's lawyer's claims that this isn't about money, but 
uh, filing suit had made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. Unlike him, this isn't about the money for me. It's about clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. That came out after the first person came forward. Two more women have since come forward, and there apparently are six more in this lawsuit. It's it's Sam and I were just speaking about it ahead of before recording. It's a it's a obviously it's a difficult touch topic for us to touch on because we have no not you know there's no way to judge the information, and it's so delicate because obviously you don't want to come across as not respecting the women involved and doubting them and kind of making victims uncomfortable and coming forward. At the same time, it's obviously easy to make allegations. And there have been examples of false allegations that have been made. So you you don't want to rush to judgment and assume that Deshaun Watson is guilty. So it's very difficult to deal with when it's all being played out so publicly. Um, <laughs> but nine women accusing you of something, it's either a massive conspiracy theory against him or there's a real issue. Also, I'll say in that denial it's kind of interesting he never said he didn't do certain things right he said he's never not treated women with respect and respect is very subjective so he could think that well if you massage me i expect you to do this at the end of a massage that's what i'm paying for you for i'm treating you with the level of respect that a masseuse should get not that i think he's thinking of it to that degree but he's kind of not denying anything with that statement. So, yeah. Is this with the utmost respect? According to the woman, um, after leaving the room, massage therapist returned to find him lying on a massage table with just a small towel covering his buttocks. <laughs> she alleges Watson then turned over midway through and got extremely aggressive, forcefully telling her to move her hand down to his pubic area. She felt intimidated and threatened and then he repeatedly said that he could help or hurt her career. Then Watson forced the woman to perform oral sex on her, on him, which he, which she did not consent. So no, I don't know how you can say I still treated her with respect. No, but you do see what I mean, right? Where he, No, I know, I know. If he thinks that's what he's paying for and like that's the expectation in his mind, if he's... You know, well, let's be delete. clear though, you can in no way in the US pay for sex, <laughs> whether he thinks he's paying for that or in, not. In, that it's illegal. in Texas, in te right? There's legal brothels in, in uh, Nevada, right? He could be, he's got to go there, but yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's not a good look. E either way, his reputation is going to be severely hurt by this because even if he the yeah. cases ended up, end up being dropped or he ends up winning any case you're still going to assume best case scenario, Deshaun Watson has a little bit too many massages and is a little bit creepy with the women that give them like that. You're going to have, that's going to stay in your mind forever. He's never going to be able to get rid of that one. It's done. Like you can't, you can't shake this and whether, it, whether it be falsely accusing or, you know, they, they turn out to be true. Like most of these things, when they go to court, they just get settled anyway. And obviously the settlement is that they get a load of money and he's allowed to say that he wasn't guilty. So he's allowed to just kind of keep going from that point. But fundamentally it's trial by media. Like now it's already out in the open that these allegations have but happened. He's denied that, but, right? He denied the settlement already. Yeah, but they might, 
it's it, there's another shot at it if that makes sense when it actually goes to court yeah. like they may continue it but the damage is done like if he's done this then he's an absolute scumbag and deserves everything he's getting at the moment but that's the trial by media problem isn't it it's such a negative perception that you've already found your opinion out before it's even got to any sort of like legal understanding of what happened or the actualities of the event yeah so i mean i think we can go super conspiracy theory here on this podcast is this the texans planting this story <laughs> So I will be a little conspiracy theorist on this. I don't think it's the Texans planting the story. I think there's every chance that if he wasn't trying to leave the Texans, that maybe someone in the powers that be squashes this before it gets to this stage. So there might be that the protection he previously had is gone. And so now you don't have a whole organization there saying like, why don't we just quietly pay you off? And we're fine, right? And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, Deshaun, you want to leave? Well, we're going to stop that flood of women that keep coming to us telling us that you sort of sexually assaulted them. They're going to find their way to the media now. It, maybe we'll even point them in the direction of the right lawyer to contact and the you know right person in the media to get in touch with. I hope that's not true because it's a depressing <laughs> reality. I hope it's not true either, but it does seem so you know it's such a large coincidence of like he's trying to force his way out and then these accusations that date back quite a long time right it's not the last two months in which he's done them suddenly come into the in into the limelight you know it's who knows yeah, i mean I, I i don't at all think that this is a planted story you know i but i kind of get what you're saying that perhaps the Texans saw this on their desk and kind of just did absolutely nothing to, I'm sure there are other situations that have come across other organizations desks similar to this that have not rightfully so, but have been squashed and quieted. And the Texans probably saw this and, you know, did the opposite and kind of almost potentially, you know, let it, let it go as far as it wanted to go and did not do anything to, to quiet it, which they, they shouldn't, but, do you know think, that those organizations do? Do you think the Patriots now are, are disappointed that they gave Cam Newton that new contract? Because Robert Kraft must be thinking, if I could bring Deshaun Watson in now, two of us could hop in my private jet pregame all the time, fly down to Florida, get a happy ending, and then he can go and win me a Super Bowl. And and there goes my need to ask the question, Eddie, where's your Robert Kraft joke? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can the Texans like sever his contract or anything because of like negligence or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure. If if they wanted to for bringing the team into disrepute or something like that, or um, I'm sure there's behavior related clauses in his contract. Why would they do it? Right, because the if the if the history of players in the NFL has taught us anything, there's no scandal too big to stop you from being a wanted player if you have the talent like even if all of this is if he loses every case someone in the nfl is going to want to sign Deshaun watson and see him as a project that they can rebuild that's going to happen no matter what also denials are obviously going to come out it would have been strange if like nothing was said i i find denials so not pointless because they have to be done 
but there's no point reading into them because no one's going to come out and gone, okay, yeah, fair point. I'll, t- I'll take a look at these and get back to you. You have to deny it in the strongest term. I mean, I guess you don't. People typically do. You do see occasionally people just ignore it. That's the one course of action you can take. Uh, it's just British to say, monarchy I'm, style. I'm not even going to justify this by responding to it. And you could just say, look, this is going to be dealt with in a court of law. Until that moment comes, I've got no interest in discussing it publicly. That would be a fine answer, but people would still think that you look guilty. Yeah. The alternative, if you were being super honest, could be like, look, I've never sexually assaulted anyone. I've never done anything that I could think is incorrect, but perhaps I can look back on my behavior and think that I could have done things a little bit differently in dealing with some of these masseuses. He could kind of come with that, which might've been in a way. Would you be okay with that? Because I'm just going to let you know that that was Kevin Spacey's, which was like, I don't remember anything I did, but I'm sorry if I did anything. No, no, that's not quite the same. (laughs) No, 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 no. no, no. A little different. This is him saying like, look, these accusations have been exaggerated and I don't think that they're correct. However, I can look back at some of the things I've done and seen that I could have behaved in a better manner. If he'd said something like that, you would have been like, okay, this makes sense. I, this would have been my reaction. It makes sense because these can't be totally, you know, the, where there's smoke, there's going to be an element of fire, right? So best case scenario, as I said, he's a little creepy with masseuses. And if he just admitted to that, you'd be like, maybe he's now telling the truth. Maybe what he did wasn't a crime and wasn't horrific. It was just a little creepy. And he's acknowledging it and he won't do it again. Whereas the full on denial, it's like, oh, you've, you may have done more than creepy because you've just got to go into build a wall, deny, deny, deny. So Eddie, you did mention the Patriots and kind of getting off of this Deshaun Watson story and getting onto free agency. The Patriots are making moves. The question, so just to some kind of go through, they, uh, Got two great tight ends in uh, Smith and Hunter Henry. They got Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Matt Judon uh, on defense. So they've really gone out. I think they've signed a a few other free agents as well. My question now is, it seems like they're trying to load up. But do you really think they're going to rest that on the shoulders of Cam Newton? Or do you think they're either going to trade up and get someone in the draft or still try and go after Deshaun Watson? Well, Robert Kraft is 100% going after Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but to actually play football, not just to hang out with. Just as a buddy, travel buddy. He's, and, you know, he's like, look, you know, the first mistake you're making is I'm going to give you a list of places you go where you do not have to ask. It's done. So that's step one in the Patriots wooing to Sean Watson now. But I think they we discussed it when before in the reaction to them giving Cam Newton the contract. It's a big it's a sizable contract. You have to assume that that's Cam Newton's a starter this year. Maybe they draft a quarterback for the future, but I'd be amazed if Cam Newton starts under 13 games next year, assuming he's not hurt. Which with Cam, it's Cam Newton, so that's a possibility too. I mean, we said it right. It, it might actually be worth the Patriots having a bad year this year because they haven't really got any sort of good draft placements this time round. So, is it worth them kind of investing and spending the money? And I guess what you know, the people they have signed kind of 
throws it out of the water, but yeah. Yeah, that's, this kind of answers that question. I never think a Bill Belichick team would tank. I think it just goes against everything that he stands for anyway. And as he's coming towards the end of his career, very little incentive for him to oversee a tank job. But this definitely, these free agent signings indicate that they think they can be a good team this year. Sorry, saying that they did tank last year. I don't think they tanked. I think they were bad. <laughs> I don't think they Tanking, intended to tank. Yeah, Tank would imply that they intended to lose and they tried to lose. I think they tried to win and they just couldn't. Yeah, so some of the other big deals so far in free agency, uh, the Bucks kind of trying to keep their team together to continue to give it a run. Uh, so they tagged Chris Godwin, Levante David, uh, Barrett, even signed their kicker back up. Um, signed Tom Brady through 2022, which would make him 73 years old after that. I'm the rest. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it seems like they're gearing up to stay through. And actually, I think Gronk signed another one year deal as well, if I remember correctly. So, you know, you're going to have the Bucks there again. Uh, what are the big ones? Uh, Aaron Jones signed a pretty big deal. With to stay with the Packers, four years, forty-eight million. Do you think that's super overpaid for running back? We talk about this all the time. I think the more I watch the NFL and the more I see these random running backs just fit in so naturally, and like, I mean, the Christian McCaffrey I think is a pretty good example. Christian McCaffrey is an amazing running back, and he makes a team better. But does he make a team substantially better than the backup in the same offense that is literally? a 10th of the price and you can spend it elsewhere on a good O tackle or a good pass rusher that can actually win you games. Yeah. And there's every piece of evidence shows that there's no point paying a, a running back big money. The only exception to that might be for me, Derek Henry, just because he is so unique in his game changing ability. So when you have an example like Derrick Henry, sure. But everything else, you know, like Zeke Elliott, that's a total waste of money. Uh, you know, like across the league, for every time that you maybe get it right, you get it wrong nine more times. So if I was a GM, I would just say, look, statistically speaking, I'm never giving a running back a, a big contract. I'll try and find my best. And every once in a while, we're going to make a mistake doing that. But more often than not, I'm going to be correct by moving on bringing other other players in yeah I, I agree i think the only shitty part about that is you're really screwing with the loyalty of your organization a little bit and and i understand that you know there really is no loyalty in sports right but i think you know if you have someone under a small contract and they're not getting paid very much and you get really good production out of them that that second contract is almost that reward for that previous performance because a lot of times they're on a rookie contract they're not getting that much and then they do really well and that second contract is a is more of a like hey you did really well for us we're gonna overpay you as a running back but you know we appreciate what you've done and if you kind of ditch that yeah, then i don't, you, I, I don't it, believe in that just i don't either I don't, but I, I it looks kind of scummy to just constantly be taking rookie running backs open. running them running them into the ground and then throwing them away not if not if you're open about it not if you know what you're getting into and not running into, yeah, if you're running into them to the ground, like if there's examples where teams, which they ha have been right, where 
their contract is coming up and teams just completely ignore every kind of guiding principle of how you can manage a player's body and just throw them out there and have them carrying the ball 45 times a game and you know that you're destroying them. That's one thing. But if you just, you know, you can spin the other argument of like, look, we're never, you could draft a guy and say, we're never going to give you a big contract, but this is an organization where we're going to make you look really good and you can go somewhere else and get paid. And that's the way we treat our running backs. And if from day one, you told someone that, they can't be disappointed when you they turn around and say, we're not going to pay you multiple, like a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. It's not what we do. But we've we've made you earn money somewhere else. I think even other players, they might be disappointed if that's their friend and now they're going elsewhere, but I think they'd get it. And, and a good example of that, because we have to bring up Niners Nation, right? But if you have the Kyle Shanahan approach and you do treat it like as a running back by platoon, constantly no one in that group can be disappointed when they're not treated like a superstar except the white guy running back right he's treated like a superstar and gets paid crazy amounts of money for nothing so you're talking about kyle Yuschek, who's a fullback and in the backfield and is used more as a receiver than he is used as a running back um but yes kyle Yuschek did get a big contract, particularly for a fullback. Um, they also gave uh, Trent Williams a big contract renewal. They signed Alex Mack to play center. Um, I think the Niners have yet again had an offseason where they've improved. They brought best news of the of the summer. They brought Joe Flacco in to <laughs> try out for the team. Denied them a Super Bowl in, what was that, 2013? Maybe he'll bring a Super Bowl back to San Francisco next year. Maybe. But I think the biggest offseason signing this year is going to propel a team in the NFC East to the championship. And I'm talking about the Washington football team led by the quirky, super quirky Ryan Fitzpatrick. What a signing for Washington that is. How long is it before Fitzpatrick just like starts coming out in red face and just just doing really weird things? How long is it until they draft a quarterback really high in the draft and then halfway through the season he gets replaced by that quarterback? <laughs> I, I mean, that's got to be their goal. Their, their goal is, hey, we saw what he did in, in Miami where he was okay with mentoring Tua for the first half of the year and then just giving him over the starting role. Let's bring him in, have him mentor this quarterback that we get high in the draft, and then halfway through the year, let's just bench him and put in the rookie. I mean, it's not a bad move. Yeah, and he's of he's very popular with his teammates, right? Like that's one thing that's become clear everywhere he's gone is people like him and they like having him around. So in a team that probably needs uh, like good character guys. I mean, Alex Smith seems to be popular and also I'm, is a true professional in terms of the way he behaves. But he's Alex Smith is like the personification of white paint. And I don't mean that in his skin color, but just like he is the most boring, bland person in the world. Like the only thing that's made Alex Smith remotely interesting is that he lost his job to Colin Kaepernick and that he had his leg snapped. 
Like those are the only and lost and, it to Mahomes too. To Mahomes, yeah, he's basically defined by horrific things happening to him. But apart from that, he's just Mister Boring. I saw um, AJ Green was going to the Cards as well. It's a sad loss for the Bengals, but uh, don't know Frank. Oh given... yeah, Mister Mister Bengal over there. I know. That must be. <laughs> if you, just got sweet, I... you still got sweet lips though. <sighs> Exactly. Still happy about that, especially when he recovers, which is still on for the start of next season, which I still find incredible. But let's let's see it close to the time. But yeah, losing AJ Green, it's not. Don't know how bothered they'll be about that. But. Let's be fair; they've not lost anything with AJ Green. <laughs> they've lost a guy <laughs> who stands on the sidelines a lot, and Arizona has just fully embraced just turning itself into a retirement home. Well, Arizona embraced that when it became a state. <laughs> yeah, well, the Cardinals are are following suit. I mean, that is just what a move. Signing AJ Green isn't going to get Frank any more Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Let's just say that. I mean, AJ, AJ hey, Green, AJ Green must have just looked at the Cardinals and thought, if Fitzpatrick resigns, like this is my chance to be the young guy in the receiving core again. <laughs> Super young, the baby. <laughs> New kid on the block. <laughs> Supposedly, the Bears had really made a strong push for Russell Wilson. And although it's never been made public, uh, it was supposedly three first-round draft picks, a third-round draft pick, and two starters who might have been Khalil Mack and Akeem Nix. Hicks, sorry, Akeem Hicks. Do you... Uh, and? Apparently they like completely shut that down. Do you maybe think about that trade? Three first rounders and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. I mean, there's a lot of future there for the Seahawks, right? With those picks. So it's not the worst. No, I don't think you think about it because you, you, you can't win without a quarterback. So they've got to find a quarterback then. And unless they have someone else lined up, like if they thought, oh, we can get Deshaun Watson. Like if in their mind they thought we can spin these three first rounders and get Deshaun Watson right in, okay, maybe you do it. But unless you think you've got something like that lined up, you got three first round picks. What's the best case scenario? Absolute best case scenario. One of those three first round picks turns into something resembling Russell Wilson, but probably doesn't. So you're almost certainly weakening your team. But do you have to factor in the possibility that Russell Wilson just won't play for you because no. I think I, I don't think it's going to happen I don't think it's like Deshaun Watson where he literally says he'll just ride the bench and not play but if that were to become public then you will lose a ton of value and you'll never get that offer again because teams will know that he's not going to play either way so you know they're not going to give you the world to get him so you, I, I think you kind of have to know that he's still willing to play but he's just not happy and what does that say about Khalil Mack that every team on earth is just willing to get rid of this guy? <laughs> he must not be well liked in the locker room. Yeah, and I guess I mean look, Khalil Mack's not gonna win you a Super Bowl. He's a great player, but and he can make your defense much better, but you're not gonna win the Super Bowl because of Khalil Mack, unless he's contributing to an otherwise outstanding team. That's the thing that his career has proven more than anything. And that's not a knock on his performance or or what he's been able to achieve, but 
it's just not a kind of game-changing position. So I know that, Frank, you have a couple stories to tell maybe, but before you do, I also know that you really appreciate quizzes. And so from today, I have a quick quiz question for you, both of you. Which number is greater? The number of half centuries that Ben Stokes has scored for England in the T20 format, or the number of balls that Jofra Archer has faced as a batsman for England in the T20 format? This is tough because he actually faced a few today when they almost made a pretty epic comeback. Well, actually, let me phrase that. India almost blew <laughs> a pretty hefty lead they had in that in that final over. Um, ooh. So half centuries for Stokes just in T20 versus Balls Archer's face in T20s. I'd probably go with Stokes just because Jofra Archer has this weird... I don't know why, but people seem to think that he is a good batsman and they place him high up in the bowlers. For I, I don't understand why. Like in the Ashes, he was high up in test format. In uh, ODI, he's coming in at like seventh, eighth. And, it all, and in T20, exactly the same. I don't, I've seen him once maybe hit a six and the rest I've just seen him middle stump gone yeah. four footing I, I literally like, saw him hit a six today <laughs> yeah he hit a six today yeah. the the <laughs> he he's had a couple of good performances in the ipl which i think and fundamentally he just swings there's not a lot of technique there it's just the bats going as fast as yeah. i mean he broke a bat today that is just going his feet as well yeah. so there's so if no it could, if it connects it's going a, f- a long way and it looks good and the highlight reel it's not bad so i think that's what helps his reputation as a batsman i do agree with you though he's overrated so you're going for ben stokes Wait, 50s yeah sam I, I don't understand that logic though because if you're saying he's higher up in the order isn't he gonna see i think sam's saying he gets more? out quickly he no he gets out quickly for where he is in the order like oh okay okay the way he bats you would have an m coming in last man like Jack and, Leach, for example, good example of someone that comes in last yet frequently stays around for a long time. Or James, or even them. James Anderson, right? Who had the record for the most appearances without a duck. Yeah. yeah. And there was one where Joffre uh, Archer was coming in before like Chris Wokes. And it, it makes no sense. Chris Wokes is an excellent batsman and bowler. Excellent <laughs> might be a slight overstatement, but. No, okay. He's very, he is, <laughs> he is good. He is good. He's, he's, a, he's a decent Batsman. Oh, you're but such he, a contrarian. You know what I'm like. Better look, if than I'm Archer. calling, if I'm calling Wokes an excellent batsman, what am I calling Joe Root? Oh, you excellent. <laughs> they're, they're both good. Uh, they're both very good. Uh, okay, Frank. So you you're going for Ben Stokes. Frank, is this including your, today? This is including today. I'll go Archer. Okay. So after today, I'll fill this in. So. Uh, what caused me to bring this question up, Jofra Archer faced eight balls today. And Ben Stokes, I think, was out for 46. Um, he was out for 46. After today, Jofra Archer has faced a total of eight balls in his England T20 career. Oh, wait. Uh, no, and, I think I'm done. <laughs> and after today is 46, Ben Stokes has scored a total of zero fifties for England in T24. Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. How many like 40 to fifties? is? 
Wow. I yeah. thought I was going to be done. I, it's it's obviously anyone listening who watched the match today, both of those statistics came up, not as a comparison in that format, but anyone who watched the, the game against India will have seen that. But I it stunned me. They both came up separately, kind of like an hour separated. And each time the statistic, the two, the two occasions where the statistics were mentioned, I was surprised by both. How many appearances has Stokes played in a T20 format? So I will tell you, uh, he has played 33 matches. He has, he has 27 um, uh, innings. He's been not out six times. His high score is 47 not out. And his average is 20.38. Who, Eddie, how about this? Who has more? Archer with Ball's face or Joss Butler, 50s? 50s? Oh, Joss Butler. For sure. I'd put, I'm, I would put Joss off the, as a guess, I would put Joss Butler at 15 T20 50s. That seems high. He has, he's been around a long time as well in the format. He has 11 T20 50s. It's pretty and a high score, high score of 83, not out. But it's, it is impressive to get a 50 in T20 just because of the amount of limited time you may have. Like if the opening batsmen stay around for like five, you're probably not going to. And Stokes is never an op- opening batsman either. He's usually what, like fifth in? Fourth. Yeah, probably yeah. fourth. Butler, uh, Butler opens sometimes, but sometimes further down when he started out especially. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is tough. Right. So I teased it, but Frank, I know you have a little story time for us. And I think it touches oh. on. Yes. Uh, what, what was his name? The Miami Heat player? I can never remember his name. Who used the inappropriate language on his video gaming experience using a derogatory term for a Jewish person? Myers Leonard. That's it, Myers Leonard. So the only time I've actually come across that slur i used to play um for in an indoor roller hockey league that was a very competitive roller hockey league and they had like four seasons throughout the year and i would play on this really good team for the three seasons and then the one season a lot of them played ice hockey and i didn't play ice hockey so i would end up kind of just picking up with the team with whoever so (laughs) I ended up, one of my buddies said, Hey, like play on this team. They're not that great. Um, you know, but like we can, we can probably make them a little better things like that. So I play on this team. It was a predominantly Jewish team. I don't know why that is the case. Like I, to this, now that I look back on it, I don't get it, but the majority of the team was Jewish. And so was the coach and the coach's son who played and we played with them and it, they were fine. Like they were really nice. Like I had a lot of fun playing with them. Um, we did pretty well. The next season, my friend had a falling out with this team. And I said, hey, are we going to play with this team again? He's like, no, no, screw that team. We're not playing with that team again. Like, let's like join our own team. And I was like, whatever. Like, I don't care. I just want to play. So this is like the the start of the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, pretty much. Except we don't have a drunk Emilio Estevez who blew out his knee. 
So we, we kind of like make our own team and we put it together a pretty good team. And now we go to the playoffs and we face this team. I think it was like the semifinals of the playoffs. And I have no hard feelings against this team. Like I had fun. They were, they were cool kids. So we're playing and they clearly do not like my friend or I, they think like we betrayed them because we left their team. So they're being really dirty. Like after the play, they're like slashing us in the back of the legs. And I don't give a shit. Like I could care less about that. I'm not a fighter in hockey. I never was. But the other kid took notice to this and was not happy. Halfway through the first period, he gets into like a decent fight with this kid. And there's not really many fights in roller hockey. And they kind of like square off a little bit. They both get I think like five minute majors, they get in the box next period. They start getting at it again. And now I'm just like, dude, come on, just fucking end this. Like no one cares about this while they're like scrapping on the rink, kind of like yelling at each other, pushing and shoving. We look up to the stands and the two mothers of the players of my friend and then the other teams. Now they're starting to scream at each other from opposite sides of like the, the bleachers. So you have like one mom on one side, about 30 parents in between, and then the other mom on the other side. And now they're like going at it like, your son's a so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. No, your son's an asshole. And out of the top of her mouth comes, you shut the F up, you derogatory Jewish word at the top of Begin- her lungs. Beginning with K. Yes, beginning with K. So when she said that, everyone like dead quiet, no one knew what to do for like a good two or three seconds. And then it was like a switch just turned off and they just went at each other, like just like pushing through people in the stands. And now as we're watching this happen, then the two kids, you know, like their sons, now they really start going at it. And next thing you know, there's like four kids like trying to just like attack me on the rink. And I'm literally trying to break it up at the same time I'm getting like punched in the back of the head. They ended up throwing about seven people out of the game. The mother was never allowed back at the rink. The kid was never allowed back, I think for at least like a year or two, but I, he never played again. Um, and then like a bunch of their players on their team were were suspended for the rest of the year and we ended up winning that game and won the championship but it was pretty insane like i've never heard someone use that word before like in public but she screamed it and like no one knew what to do everyone just it was like you could hear everything for a good three seconds it was amazing now i don't know if you two saw the big news out of european football this week We've discussed potential changes to the offside law in the past. We've talked about the restructuring. No Don't worry. Offside, for, it's, it's not offside. It's bigger news. Okay. It's bigger news. Super offside. We've discussed. If it's the, not offside, it's a manager. Is it a manager issue? Okay. No, but that doesn't remind me of a manager issue that we no, should discuss. No more. <laughs> we, we have talked about the prospects of a European Super League in the past. But it looks like a European Super League is going to be formed without UEFA's involvement because the Netherlands and Belgium are considering merging their leagues so that the top Belgian sides will go and play in the rebranded Eredivisie. And so I actually think it's interesting because when you do get the likes of Genk and Club Bruges and some of the better Belgian teams going in to compete against Ajax, Um, and PSV, you actually get what starts to look like quite a decent league. A lot of where do they rank? 
where do they rank then in the leagues? Are they better than than the Portuguese league, the Primera? Probably. Whatever it is. It's going to be one of the more, it's going to be almost like the championship. There's going to be a lot of strength and depth going right through. That it. might be a little strong. But what I mean is like the the composition with the teams will be competitive. <laughs> there, there won't be any like, it won't be half easy, half kind of difficult games. Well, they're only talking about two or three Belgian teams coming in. I still think the bottom of the Eredivisie is, is garbage. But the... <laughs> no, it, it, the interesting thing would be is even if you just have six good teams at the top of that league it kind of becomes more interesting than almost every european mm. league barring the premier league or la liga and potentially Serie A, but it becomes more compelling than watching really league why is that what oh are, i was gonna say are they are they better than the french league probably you could argue then that there are six teams who would compete with the top six in the French league, obviously PSG would still be the standout team in the group, but you could say that if like the top six from Belgium came and played the top six from, from uh, France and well, Belgium and Netherlands came and played the top six from, from France, it would be a competitive set of fixtures. Well, there's a very real chance PSG don't win the league this year. (laughs) No, there isn't. (laughs) We've seen this before. It's boring. You know, it's like what Bayern do sometimes when they, they just play in third gear for a long time and then come the end of the season. I mean, look, they just dismissed Lille yesterday in the in the French Cup. Like, push comes to shove, they'll just win their remaining X number of matches when suddenly they realize, oh, we need to actually turn up and play and win. And turns out it's not that hard to beat Nîmes when we care about it. And, uh, and they'll do it. So how does it work with the Belgian club? So like, let's just say like Anderlecht, Genk, all the kind of bigger clubs um, go in. Are they permanently in? Or how would like, if they got relegated, do they get relegated to like the equivalent Belgian? You're asking me, you're asking me questions there that I don't know the answer to. I did not. It's as if Eddie is coordinating this. I'm not, I'm (laughs) not like... it's not my proposal, but I don't know. That is an interesting question. Could you f- end up with a, a merge league where in the end, every team is Dutch anyway? Possibly. I guess in the same way that like Welsh clubs have foregone, they, they don't go back to Welsh football anymore, like Wrexham, et cetera. They won't be, they'll just keep going through the English leagues as opposed to, I guess it'll probably be like that. They make a choice to go into the more competitive football and then that's it. Interesting though. Who else would who else would you see in Europe doing something equivalent? Um, maybe like Austria and Switzerland could be interesting, maybe. You could start to get a pretty good league out of that. Well, I was gonna ask, what do you think would be a better merger? Portugal, Spain or France, Germany? Oh, France, Germany. Okay. Portugal, Spain would have some interesting games, but France, Germany would have the depth for sure. Because after you go past the first five teams in Portugal, it's just comical teams after that. All right. What about Portugal, Spain, Belgium, Germany? What is in like a Super League? Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought you had like all four. Belgium, Germany might end up being basically just Germany. So there I'd give Portugal, Spain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Anderlecht or, you know, they might end up being able to establish themselves as like mid-table German teams. But 
Porto and Benfica would have the legitimate chance of being sporting up there as well. Yeah. The only reason for the other clubs in the Portuguese league is to frustrate bets. Like there's, <laughs> there's no other need. Eddie. Yeah, there's no there's no other reason for the other like fourteen clubs in the Portuguese league except to frustrate people with gambling. <laughs> Maybe that's the conspiracy we've uncovered today, that they're only in there to generate revenue for their for their gambling of their country and that's how they get all their money by fixing matches and now you're touching on my other topic in a way there but you said you wanted some manager news frank and i've got manager news for you this isn't this isn't sort of uh you know small story stuff but spurs who were knocked out tonight by dynamo zagreb were up against a new manager because dynamo zagreb's uh, manager zoran mamich resigned uh, this week after he was sentenced to four years in prison for fraud, having been involved in a scheme that had siphoned around 13 million pounds from the club uh, relating to player transfers and agents fees. So that's. So how does he have the ability to resign? Kind of, <laughs> I don't know. They gave him, I mean, their, their former executive director who hasn't been caught yet. Uh, was sentenced to six years. I mean, let's be, I'll say as not that this is anyway, it took a great deal of, you don't need a detailed knowledge of uh, former Yugoslavia to know this, but as someone who did uh, for a long time study international human rights law and take a keen interest in the prosecution of uh, war, cri- war crimes and war criminals in, in, in that region, not famed for being able to catch people say that that much uh, I, interesting that you brought that up because I was just going to say what is it with people from that region that go on the run and successfully <laughs> yeah if you if you want to go into hiding Bosnia, Croatia or Serbia seems to be a good place to go I mean go to the right one that's the key go to the one where they like you that's, that's the one thing you do have to do don't be a Bosnian trying to hide in Croatia that probably won't go down so well but you know Apart from that, you're you're safe as houses. Well, houses weren't that safe <laughs> twenty years ago. As bunkers, <laughs> safe as craters. Ah, the lighter side of genocide. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've we've made we've managed to make sexual assault and genocide fun in this episode, and that's a real achievement. Put a smile on people's faces. Look at Frank. He's so happy. <laughs> Speaking of Eastern European genocide, Sam, how's WandaVision going? How does that link? Because Wanda Maximoff, she was a product of bombings when she lived in Eastern Europe. Okay, fine. Not genocide, but fine. It's good. I like the... Um... I, I quite liked it because I, I deliberately didn't read or watch any kind of reviews. I tried to ignore anything that would have potentially been a spoiler. So I honestly thought that the show was just going to be them in like the 50s and 60s with like a with like an enemy, like a generic Marvel kind of. I like boss. this. You were like, I managed to avoid all spoilers. Let me immediately spoil this for anyone who hasn't watched it. <laughs> 
I haven't said it yet. It's not a major spoiler. No, but still, it's like, yeah, it is kind of funny. You know what was great about my enjoyment of the show? I didn't know that it didn't get just stuck in the It's kind of difficult to do, though. I must admit, it's difficult to avoid a spoiler on this. But no, 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 it's it's really good. And Did um, you finish it? uh, I've got like one more to do, two more. Maybe I'm on like seven. So, and then I'm on to Ted Lasso. Wow. Until... uh, Falcon Winter Soldier comes out and you watch that instead. Oh, that's tomorrow, actually. So, yeah, Ted Lasso yeah. probably gets delayed. <laughs> <laughs> like... Is Falcon Winter Soldier a, a TV show? Or it's yeah. A... yeah, yeah, it's Disney Plus again. And oh, also God. the Dork. remake, the Zack Snyder Justice League comes that's out. That's like four tomorrow. hours long, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I have no interest in that. Like, the, the film was terrible. I imagine Zack Snyder's was just slightly less terrible. It's still going to be a bad film. See, now this, see, I have interest in it for that very reason. Because one, either it makes Snyder look like an absolute asshole where he trashed the first making of the movie and was like, oh, mine would have been so much better. You don't even know how good mine would have been. And then they give him the opportunity to do exactly that. And if it's still a piece of shit, it makes him look like such an asshole. On the flip side, if it actually is an enjoyable movie now, it'd be nice to actually watch an enjoyable Justice League movie. I'll probably split it into two sittings because I'm not going to watch a four-hour movie. But I think you're almost in a win-win situation because he has been so outspoken about it that it'll look so bad on him if it's just a, another piece of shit DC movie, which is more likely what it'll be. Yeah, that's exactly what it will be. Agreed. Yeah, I have no hopes. <laughs> Eddie, your take on the oh, uh, on the comic universe? Yes. Karl Marx, yeah, what's your opinion? It's all, it's all garbage. <laughs> I'd only want to know the opinion of a nine-year-old if we were talking about comic books, and if you're older than that, I don't care. <laughs> So bitter at anyone else's fun, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no. Like, look, everyone can do whatever, you know, whatever entertains you. I'm not going to try and stop someone from watching uh, comic book movies. The only thing that depresses me is their significance within popular culture now means that for me, I feel like we don't make good movies anymore because all that gets made are huge comic book movies that they know are just going to have a bunch of dorks line up for days to watch 19 times. So they make a ton of money off of them. And so instead of having actual like artists who make good movies, make worthwhile movies that kind of contribute to the betterment of, you know, movie making. Instead, we get to see the 17th remake of a Spider-Man movie I've already seen. But this time it's a different Spider-Man underneath the mask. So it's going to be really, really different, guys. And then I'm going to go watch it. And I'm going to tell you which one of those Spider-Mans was best. And we're going to have arguments about oh, it. Tom it's Holland. Like, it's not an argument, Eddie. We it's won't argue about it. It's not that's, an argument. It's Tom Holland to me by is, a mile. That to me is the sad part. Like, that's it. Is the, is, I actually think it's legitimately damaging the actual making of movies and television. But... I have no problem with people liking comic books. What would you say is a good movie based on your description that's come out like recently? I mean, that's tough because I haven't seen that many. The last year or so is not the best time for me to gauge recent good movies. Um, 
I don't know the what only, the last movie I've watched is. The last movie I saw that's recent was that Tom Hanks News of the World movie. Oh god. Um that was <laughs> oh, what with Mel Streep, the post or was that a different one? Oh no, that's a different <laughs> one. <laughs> That's completely different movie. I was like, Meryl Streep. What's the news of the world world one? I've not heard. News of the world is Tom Hanks set in the Wild West in like uh, the mid 1870s. And he is a man who travels from town to town reading the news. So he travels with newspapers and then reads the news publicly. That's his role. And he then gets caught up in a storyline not related to that which makes for a ton of excitement. I'm not going to give spoilers, but are you saying that's good? It's okay. It's watchable. Do you like anything? (laughs) It's better than, um, it's better than the Wolfpack movie, whatever that was, the one he did about Greyhound. Greyhound. It's better than Greyhound. Oscar nominated. that's, That's not saying a lot. Greyhound was... You know, as I described, it was three minutes of action dragged over 90 minutes. But uh, this is, I really like Westerns. So anytime anything Western related comes out, I'm kind of on board just because there's not enough of them, in my opinion. So do you like 310 to Yuma? Yes. Very good movie. I love that movie. Classic Ben Foster. He is so good in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I like 310 to Yuma. I think Deadwood may be my favorite TV show from the like 20th, 21st century. What do you like about them? Was it just a simpler time, Eddie? What about Tombstone, Eddie? Like Tombstone? Good movie, yeah. I like Tombstone. Bill Paxton, classic. R.I.P. <laughs> Gone too forget. soon. Rip. Twister, Tombstone, Titanic. Come on. He, he was only a fucking movie. machine. He was yeah, only in movies beginning with T. Yeah. And I was going to say the last two weren't Westerns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Westerns kind of a Western. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, Titanic was going Western. <laughs> I mean, I like The Mandalorian. There you go. That's, basic, that's a Western, right? Like, It is a um, Western, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a gunslinger attitude to it. Yeah. Uh, what do I like about I don't. I find the the wild west to just be a fascinating era in history. I love wild west uh, uh, documentaries, love them, watch them. And like late night YouTube for me is often putting on like a document, a random documentary about Billy the kid and watching that for 90 minutes. You know, what's crazy about that is that you love Westerns and like the Western films and that lifestyle I literally live in the old West and old Tucson was where the majority of Westerns have been filmed. And I've lived here for five years and you've never once visited me. <laughs> I mean, I, I have in <laughs> fairness, look, I'm not trying to seek out some Western lifestyle. I also lived for a significant portion of my life in the West. I've had my fair taste of, uh, but we can go to Tombstone. It's a 45-minute drive, and we can I'd walk be down the same that. streets. Be, they yeah, walked all in right. Movie. I'd be down for that. And look, I could give you a really good you know, oral history of a lot of the famous events from the Wild West that are often misunderstood, like the shootout at the OK Corral, for example. But you know, I, which is obviously a key plot point in the movie Tombstone, but 
I'm I'll listen, you go to Tombstone and they'll tell you all about the inaccuracies of that movie. They do not shut up about it. What about Wild Wild West? Is that a good film? Oh, it's a classic. Oh. No, it's it's not a good wild. film. Wicked wee wow. But it's it's enjoyable. <laughs> Jim it's, West, it, Desperado. If there, <laughs> Rough if there Rider, was, and you don't want I mean, nada. <laughs> I, I didn't think there was any way to gut that film more, but <laughs> here we are 20 years on gutting it. I honestly haven't seen it since it came out. So Do you remember the giant a, robotic spider in it? I mean, yes, that's kind of the key plot point. <laughs> that's like asking me, <laughs> do you remember the ship in the movie Titanic? <laughs> what about the Lone Ranger? Didn't see it. That doesn't, that doesn't. Uh, ideally, I want Western movies that are aiming to be semi-realistic portrayals of the West. That's why I love Deadwood, which obviously not super realistic and takes historical figures and completely twists their actual storylines, but still fundamentally is trying to like create the idea of a real Western town. Well, you need to come out to Tucson. We can do, we can go to Tombstone. We can go to Yuma. We can take... We can't do the 310, but we can take the I-10 to Yuma. <laughs> we do pistols the road you take to Yuma. <laughs> I'd like to see Eddie do pistols at dawn or something like that. Are you sure you would, Sam. <laughs> That's a stretch. I'm not going to allow that one. But yeah, that would be fun to do. But actually, yeah. So old Tucson is like the recording area where they used to do all the old Westerns. So like a bunch of um, John Wayne Westerns were filmed it's like you know like they built the whole fake town so there's a bunch of them that were filmed there and you can go and they give you like the tour and they do like the reenactments and stuff i've never been but it looks great (laughs) i do the place i really want to go is little bighorn that's the place that for a long time has been top of my list of places to visit what about speaking of semi-realistic western films what about cowboys versus aliens not saying (laughs) <laughs> I don't just Daniel watch Craig. Anything. Whatever happened to him? Well, he's still James Bond. <laughs> I don't just watch anything with the word cowboy or West in it. it how is no one following up on why he wants to go to Little Bighorn? <laughs> why, is, why is this like number one on your to-do list? Well, because I've done a lot of this stuff in the West, right? And I, with having lived in in Salt Lake City kind of got to see and experience just the that kind of image of the wild west a lot the great plains something i haven't gone to a lot and equally i find like custer's last stand just to be a really interesting story and i know that you can go there and get really great tours given by the actual like native americans from reservations in that area who give it from their perspective, watched a number of documentaries that talk about their, their version of events and how they differ from the story that was obviously told about Custer. And I think obviously, right, that was a moment in American history that radically impacted how Native Americans were treated going forward. So super significant and really interesting to see different sides of the story. You probably know more about that than 99% of Americans. 
In fact, <laughs> I would go out on the limb and say that most Americans probably think it's Custard's last stand. <laughs> Maybe. And they probably, and legitimately, they, they probably only think of it from the way that it's got, was told, you know, like growing up when I read about it in, you know, American history books, like it's, it's still mostly told from the perspective, like the story that was created in the immediate aftermath of the battle, which was like heroic Custer valiantly fighting against an onslaught of savages, you know, surrounded fighting to the very last man and dying and like poor old Custer you know, that's kind of, I think, the image that most people have. I will say the best documentary I've ever watched on that was done by the BBC. Got a really great documentary. Yeah, well, they, have no, they have no fight in the game. <laughs> uh, I guess. Also, it's got some, because it's one of those documentaries where they, they like recreate moments of it, right? So it's, it's like verging on a TV show at times. Like there is mostly oh, like acting. Docudrama. Yeah, it's mostly like, like acting. Yeah, it's mostly acting with narration over the top and then like historians chiming in at different moments. And it's f- funny for me because I think I first watched it when it originally came out. And then I watched it again, I don't know, a year ago. And it stars like Custer is played by um Daniel Craig. Will no. Smith. <laughs> That's where it's, he went. It's well, Smith is actually. It's played by the. Um, uh, it's played by the son of Maggie Smith. Oh, Toby from, Stevens. Okay. Who, who who might be most familiar to people if anyone watched Black Sails. He plays Captain Flint in Black Sails. Now that's. Oh, are you under- also are you also a pirate fan? I love pirates too. That's. <laughs> like, oh, I love pirates. <laughs> Black Sails, super underrated TV show. It was that pretty was, good, actually. It was good. There's a new pirate show on Netflix. Really? Yeah, it it's like, no, it's like reenactment pirates. So you might really like it. Uh, I might it's like historians with reenactments. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm oh my God. That. I've never seen his little face light up. <laughs> I've never seen him excited before. <laughs> you have to I watch know this. what to get him for his birthday now. What a pirate outfit. Yeah. <laughs> With a cowboy hat? (laughs) Is it the Lost Pirate Kingdom? Is this what you're talking about? Yep. I do like the kind of mystery surrounding the kind of pirate, I guess, time period, really. Um, You know, all the kind of the treasure, the maps, the kind of hidden stuff. I, I really, I do like that as well. It's not... And, and look, there's a there's a little bit of a link there between pirates and the wild west, wild west, right? Which is two moments in time where fundamentally bad people can are very layered. They're not just black or white, and you can kind of if the more you dig into them, there you can have a greater understanding of the complexity of the person mm. and the fact that they aren't just totally evil or totally good. And I think with both pirates and a lot of like outlaws or people in the wild west on both sides, good or bad, you start to have a better appreciation of that as you dig into it. And I think for both of those, that's probably what attracts me to both heroes. So your thoughts on pirates of the Caribbean? I've only ever seen two of them. Terrible. See, what about, (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't like captain Phillips. 
Captain Phaedra. Oh, oh okay. are, you t- are you telling me you're a, you're a racist pirate fan? Is that what it is, Eddie? <laughs> no, but there is a sense of different kind of pirate. <laughs> I also watch. Uh, I also watch a lot of documentaries about people who just illegally download things. That also fascinates me. And sometimes don't even <laughs> the pirate bay <laughs> exactly don't even tell me about the, the number of documentaries i've watched about people who just illegally stream things that is that just oh gets me going so i like how people who watch marvel movies get ripped on but people who watch pirate and wild wild west movies completely fine no, not wild, wild west movies. <laughs> wiki People wild, who wild. like wild, wiki, wiki westerns, wild. Wiki, 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 wild. just westerns. I don't even have to throw wild west in there; just westerns. Look, and someone can knock, like, rip on me. I've tried to get people to watch westerns, or look, my love of documentaries is something that I know a lot of people, and it's not because I think documentaries are more worthwhile than you know fictional movies, but like sometimes when I want to sit down and watch you know, like a 20 hour documentary series. Most people don't want to do it. I get it. And you, people can tell me it's boring and I understand why for most people it is. That doesn't change my enjoyment. So what's your favorite part of wild, wild West? Jim West, desperado (laughs) rough rider. And you don't want not a, (laughs) Oh dear. Loveless was the, was the bad guy's name. Loveless was the handicapped man who built himself a massive spider. <laughs> it was such a mystical place, the Wild Wild West, wasn't it? It's it's surprising yep. that that actually isn't mentioned in more of the documentaries I watch, really. But I guess I guess I just haven't made it to that era quite. Like I've not found the no. right you know decade. There was, or... there was a real spike in technology at one point. <laughs> yeah, Steampunk. it's probably a gov- it's a government conspiracy trying to keep it down, I suppose. Yep. What a great movie. What a great few run. Like, what a great run that was for Will Smith, that era. We've already discussed Will Smith. I know. I don't think that's a good era for Will Smith. Oh, that's that's his era. (laughs) Men in Black, Independence Day, Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West does not get thrown in with Men in Black and Independence Day. It's a cult film, Wild Wild West. You, you just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little too intelligent for you. Yeah. You're too grounded to get it. If Wild Wild West is a cult film, I think you could almost call anything a cult film. That just means like, hey, look, there's three people who like it. It's a cult thing. Bad Boys. Around that time as well. Bad Boys 2. Well, that wasn't around that Bad time. Boys 3. <laughs> yeah. We no, that stunk. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, that didn't need to happen. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is for Wild Wild West? 32. Mm. 24. 17. That's, that's undeserved. <laughs> no, that's it's not. not. <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> is it, who is it not fair on, Sam? It's not fair on the actors and directors and people that dedicate thousands of hours to make such a masterpiece of cinema. No one dedicated thousands of hours to making Wild Wild West. It's you not know, they fair for future generations. 
it's not fair for future generations who will see that score and decide not to watch a classic that is Wild Wild West. The critics' consensus is it's bombastic, manic, and largely laugh-free. Wild Wild West is a bizarre misfire in which greater care was lavished upon the special effects than the script. Bizarre misfire. A bizarre misfire. I mean, personally, that propelled Will Smith to the heights that we see him today. That's quite the claim. If I actually thought you believed it, I would debate it with you. I mean, it is a really funny... His movies are like... So he went from Bad Boys to Independence Day to Men in Black to Enemy of the State to Wild Wild West to Legend of Bagger Vance, to Ali, to Men in Black 2, to Bad Boys 2. It's like such a jump between legitimately good, well, like legitimate movies, like Ali and uh, An Enemy of the State, I think actually is a pretty good movie. And then going to like Wild Wild West, Men in Black. First one's good. Second one is not so good. No, Enemy of the State is a good movie. It hasn't aged well in the sense that it was a movie that you had to watch almost in that era where this technology it was revealing was scary. And then now the technology it's revealing seems so old fashioned that it doesn't like hold up from that perspective. And obviously movies can be set back in the past and the technology can, can play a crucial role. But the fact that it was kind of like everyone right now needs to know what the government could do to you. And then now it's like, oh, we're way past this. Like this stuff is, <laughs> that ship has sailed. We're not worried about that anymore. I know the government can see where I am at all times. That's not scary. Wikiwawa. All right. On that note, see ya. All right. See ya. Cheerio. <laughs>